Blaine and Mickey, what's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday uh, to you. Got a big show coming up today. Jill Jelnick from Fox 17. She is the one-woman sports department. <laughs> she is going to join us at 120. Got a lot of stuff to discuss with her. Also, uh, if you're going to get anywhere in the AFC, you're going to have to figure out a way to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. We got their uh, post-game guy, Joshua Briscoe. He's been on the show before. He's going to join us in the 2 o'clock hour. So, a uh, whole lot of football talk today. And uh, this, as we come on the air, former Titans coach Jeff Fisher is back to coaching with the Michigan Panthers Ooh. of the USFL. Now, if you're old enough to remember the original USFL. Ooh, I, it was it starting to receive their Anthony Carter? Anthony Carter. Carter. Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, Lucas was even invented yet. Boy, Can't say I do. He was a fantastic college player, yeah, right. and he didn't have a great NFL career, but he was special in the USFL. Who's Anthony Carter. With Jeff, Jeff Fisher. My coach. Michigan Panthers. Uh, the new USFL is. It's funny. It's the old look. It's it's the, some of the original team names, but they're all going to play all their games in one place. Like the Michigan Panthers may never go to Michigan. It's all in Orlando, Florida, or somewhere. Well, speaking of coaches, you know, let me just throw this slide that's in there. Mike Vrabel was uh, PFWA Writers 2021 NFL Coach of the Year. Surely he's going to win all those things, right? Uh, I don't know. Well, he lost to Taylor. I know that was in the playoffs, so it just counts regular season. Yeah, Some people may look at it that way, but I think he should definitely garner some of those honors, that's for sure. Not sure if he'll win them all, but mm-hmm. Oh, people are tweeting us the names of uh, former USFL players. I love the oh, USFL. Man, I'm in the New Jersey Generals, Herschel Walker. Maurice Carthon from Arkansas State was on that oh team, my. too. He was. Arkansas they State. both had 1,000 yards. Oh, my. They I both did. No, I know. I didn't know he went to Arkansas State. Thanks for informing me. Maurice uh, Carthon did a long-time New York Giant. He won He won a Super oh, Bowl twice with who, the Giants. Who was the quarterback for uh, the Panthers? Or uh, the Michigan Panthers? I'm trying to think. I may be wrong. Michigan Panthers was uh, Bobby Abear. Abear. Yeah. yeah. Abear. Who, some of you knuckleheads remember with the Saints. Yeah. And the Falcons, too, by the way, at the end. He, hey, he's, uh, you talking about a dude who could sling it around with no conscience to where it went? That dude, hey man, I'm just gonna keep chucking it. It'll go the right guy. Oh yeah, Billy Joe. I mean, uh, Billy Dupree, Billy, right? <clears throat> Billy Joe uh, Dupree was he was Cowboys tight end. Was he? I don't know. No, did, not Billy Joe Dupree. I'm talking about Dupree was Oklahoma running back. Oh, Marcus Dupree. Marcus Dupree. Yeah, he was with the Boston Breakers. Boston. Is that the, is that right? I that that trying to recall. I, See, this was all like when I was in middle school. So I trying to recall, and you know, I'll, my brain only has so much storage space. <laughs> well, the, the New Orleans Breakers just hired Larry Fedora. Well, they, oh, the, the Breakers are one of those. Names. They yeah, were they. one of those USFL teams that moved from city to city yeah, to did. city. Oh. And you should go back and look at their uniforms. I still don't know what their helmet was. It was like yeah. I think it started out white, then it went gray, and it had like some odd blue and green stripe on it that really didn't. I was a running back in that, that time, so I was watching our running back. What where, where was uh, Kelvin Bryant? Where did he play? He played Philadelphia Stars. Philadelphia Stars. Ooh, it just hit me. Kelvin Bryant. I pulled it out the storage bank. The so Stars. The, so how many of the teams in the new edition are from the old All edition? of them. All, including Birmingham? The yes. Bur- oh, I didn't Birmingham know Birmingham Stallions. Had one of the Birmingham State. I do not remember who was the quarterback there. It was... Um, Oh, there man. was an Alabama college quarterback, Walter Lewis. He was the quarterback for the Memphis Showboats. Oh. Reggie White, Tennessee fans, there you go. Reggie White played for Memphis. Memphis has had a team in every professional league except for the NFL. Walter Lewis, who had gone to Alabama, was the quarterback of the Memphis Showboats. Reggie White, the wrestler Lex Luger, was on the Memphis Showboats. 
they filled up the Coliseum. Yeah, we, Memphis, got, we had William Fuller. Which team was I played with him my rookie year? Which team, he was a he was on uh, was he on the Stars too? Philadelphia? Oh Lord, I don't remember. There were a bunch of those dudes. Jim Kelly was a Houston Gamblers quarterback. Yeah. There were uh, Sam Mills. Uh, who's uh, rest in peace. Right. There were a Eli bunch Hacker. of really, 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 really good players. And some of you are thinking, okay, explain this because some of y'all are young like Lucas and. We're just sitting here naming all these people. And yeah, this thinking- was a spring league pretty much at the time. And then old Mr. Trump tried to move it to compete after, what was it, one season? No. Uh, seasons, was it? I think it lasted three seasons in total. Mm. And he tried so to move it to the fall. Second or third season. He and the third season and compete with the NFL. Here's so Kept it in the spring, man. It was, oh, man, it made my day. Because I said, oh, man, I got a shot there. I, I can make it in Canada or in the USFL. That was my goal. I was like, oh, the NFL players are too good. Mm-hmm. But there yeah. were there were a ton of those USFL guys who who validated yeah. what it was because yeah, uh-huh. they went to they NFL did. and competed at the highest they level. They did, and really for, good players. Really and for all of you who wonder, it, there's an AFC and an NFC in the NFL. And if you're young, you wouldn't have any need to know this, and unless you're some goofy historian like me. The American Football League was a completely different thing than the National Football League, mm-hmm. and they started in 1960, and that included Bud Adams and the Houston Oilers. Mm-hmm. And the then Houston Texans, who moved to Kansas City and became the Chiefs. And there were two different leagues, and they merged together. That's why when you hear people say... And that's why Mr. Adams should be in the Hall of Fame. Should 100% be in the Hall of Fame. It's not even a question. So Al Davis eventually became the guy who ran the American Football League. He didn't want to merge with the NFL. He told them, we're too good. But the other people said, no, let's... Because the NFL turned 50 in... What, 1969? I'll let you do that. that. 1969, the NFL turned 50, so they'd had a 40-year head start on the AFL. Mm -hmm. And the general consensus was the NFL, they literally, boy, you you started me here. Mm -hmm. The AFL and the NFL would draft the same players. And then try to hoard them away from each other. So, let's say Lucas was a great wide receiver. Lucas, you might get drafted by the Houston Oilers and the New York Jets. And so, if the Houston Oilers could get to you first, they'd find your hotel room and just drive you away. So, the, you know, well, the Jets were in the AFL. Sorry, the Colts, let's say, Baltimore Colts. So, do they do they get to reuse that pick? Do I have any say in this? Or is it just whoever gets no to my front it, door first? Whoever gets to your front that, door. That, but was, doing, dude, that was Mickey. He was five at that time. So, calculating so the story was, <laughs> I, I think with Billy Cannon, he got drafted from LSU. He got drafted by the Oilers, which he played for the Oilers, and he got drafted by an NFL team. And somebody would know this. I, sh- I should know this. I'm ashamed of myself. Well, I, but I don't know. That Bud Adams got to him and said, what would make you sign? And he looked at his wife's car, Mrs. Adams, and he goes, take it. It's yours. He gave her... He gave Billy Cannon his wife's Cadillac. Oh. So he became a Houston Oilers. Mm. That was a signing bonus. Yes. Mm. This was the world at that time. All right. But, but, all right let, let's jump to this. Back to the USFL. Sorry, man. Sorry. Because I know you're getting going. But real quick. Let me refocus. Any caller that calls in whenever we start you know, talking, they want to have input, tell us who your favorite USFL player is. Was now, now you cannot say Carthine, you cannot say Arkansas State. Nope, you gotta say somebody else. By the way, Doug Flutie was the starting quarterback for one of those teams for the generals. That's who you asked. Yeah, he was he, they were on TV the most because that was the one, uh, by owned by Trump. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they had Doug Flutie and Herschel Walker. Well, we've had someone call in saying Cliff Stout, he didn't want to be on the air, but he wanted to tell you Cliff Stout was that quarterback for Birmingham. 
Oh, oh Clint Stout, Stout, who yeah, was, was Terry Bradshaw's back in yeah. the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember him. <laughs> and here's the thing, too. And this was not a rabbit hole we intended to go down, but doggone it, when something yeah. happens historically related. Yeah. This is what Jeff Fisher did. He he got hired, by the way. Steve Young went to the L.A. Express. Steve yeah, Young. Steve Young was now, the L.A. Express. Oh, and they gave him a monster contract, didn't they? Yes. I wonder if he ever got that money. Mm-hmm. All of it. I, I don't know. But but Steve Young, like at that time, guys in the NFL, stars were making a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, well, they had other jobs too. Some of them. yes, and so the USFL was like, okay, well, Steve Young, how about four hundred thousand dollars a year? Uh, okay, so dudes were like, yeah, man, I'll take this money and go to this other league. But they just basically <laughs> priced themselves out because teams were moving and folding and changing uh, names, like you said, Lucas. Well, no, that was the New Orleans Breakers. Well, they were in Boston and New Orleans. Some of the teams were very nomadic and moved around and changed mascots. But it was a fascinating thing to watch in real time. There's a there's actually a 30 for 30 about it. Um, and Chad is saying Young is worth $200 million, LOL. Well, Chad, he wasn't always worth $200 million. He graduated from BYU and signed with an upstart league to make money. So you got to understand history. By the way, Chad is all in this Zone TV chat. You can join us on the Zone TV chat if you want. You can call in 615-737-1045. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Uh, you can listen anywhere you like to listen or stream. Or you can, uh, if you got to go now, you can always catch us wherever you catch your favorite podcast. But, uh, yeah, what started us down this road, Jeff Fisher has signed on to coach uh, the Michigan Panthers of the USFL. They have eight teams they will not go to their their cities. They're all going to play every game in one city. I have people texting me. It's in Birmingham. About, talking about, isn't it? Uh, will this count on Jeff Fisher's win-loss record? No, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. It's a fair question. <laughs> and I go, well, uh, we, we for sure think he'll be 8-8. Uh, eight eight. <laughs> They're going to play this season. Lucas, Lucas, your family may be involved in this. Oh, my. In Birmingham, Alabama. The whole season. The whole season. Every team. Everybody. So, Jeff Fisher right. is packing a duffel bag and driving to Birmingham <laughs> oh, as we speak from Montana. I'll, I'll give him some recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> Where's so the first place? Than I, have. Well, I may go down to a game. That's, that's a quick little drive. Two I'm, hours. I'm all in. Out there I'm buying I'm swag. At the, I, I'm all in. All right, let's go down there together, man. Let's make it a family trip. Let's all go. I guess at UAB's new stadium, is that the venue? Oh, it's two. And Legion Field. That that dinosaur. Wow. Oh, <laughs> They're my. going to play at two places. Well, that may make me change my mind. In Birmingham. The Birmingham Stallions and the New Jersey Generals uh, will be shown on Fox and NBC yeah. and then probably never on NBC again. Did, did Young get a $200 million contract when he was there? That's why I said I don't know if Young and all those, because they had to end up suing. I just don't know if they got their money. <sighs> Young and oh yeah, the Tampa Bay Bandits. Steve Spurrier was a coach of Tampa Bay Bandits. Yeah, somebody said that, that Tim, in his own uh, TV show. Tim, yep. Senior, thank you. Yeah. Wait, Spurrier coached in the USFL? Yes. So that dude has coached in the NFL, USFL, and the AAF. Uh-huh. There cannot be another coach that's done all, all three. those leagues and the USFL. Wow. Mm-hmm. I forgot about the Tampa Bay Bandits. Uh oh, wow. I, no, I'm um uh Are you looking at the Steve Young contract? No, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to look. Yes, I, the the Steve Young contract is what I'm saying. It was him and somebody else that got monster deals. I don't know if they ever because I thought I saw a thirty for thirty or something like that on the USFL, and they were t- they were interviewing Steve Young at the time, and I don't think 
he got all of his contract or he alluded to that he didn't. I don't know if if he did or didn't. That, that's why he never answered them. He signed. Yeah, it was it was two hundred million, wasn't it? He signed. He signed a forty three year, forty million dollar contract. Oh, forty three. Forty three years. years. Oh, uh, Lucas, forty three divided by how much? I mean, about a, a million a year. Yeah, a million a year. Uh, Back then, that was a lot of money. Broken down, the <laughs> contract was. had a $6.2 million signing bonus uh, with actual salary around $32 million being paid through an annuity yeah. from 1990 to 2027. Oh, so he, he's still getting paid through that then. The owner of oh, wow. the Express went broke shortly after the oh, ink oh. on the contract dried, <laughs> sending Young to seek a settlement for $1.4 million oh. before the bankruptcy proceedings. He got a uh, cent on the dollar there, man. I told you he didn't get that loot. This mm. is, hey, man. Mm. This Oh, this Mickey is getting I'm so just excited over here. Like We could do seven shows on this. I would never get tired of talking about this. But we're not. But we're not going. Trust me, we won't do that. As a matter of fact, we need to talk about boo, Lonzo Wright, on the <laughs> Aiden A. Fisher. We need. We <laughs> need to talk about <laughs> uh, some local stuff in the past, in the uh, more recent past, and in the present. Jill Jelnick of Fox Seventeen will join us next. We will talk Titans and more on Blade and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Jill Jelnick uh, from Fox 17 will join us in just a minute. We rabbit hold down the USFL because yeah, Jeff, I mean, Jeff Fisher, Fisher is the newest USFL head coach for the Michigan Panthers. By Congratulations, coach. Birmingham, Alabama. Stephen Mount Juliet is on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. We're talking about Steve Young. He signed a essentially four-year, $40 million contract that was payable over 43 years. Steve, you say you got some inside info on this. Is this Steve Young calling from Mount Juliet? No, not quite. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I had I I ran into him back in the early or in the late nineteen nineties in uh, in San Francisco, not in San Francisco, but in Palo Alto where he lived, and we were just jabbering, very open guy, friendly, everything else. And I said, "That's too bad the USFL didn't last." I said, "I know you signed a big contract." He looked at me and goes, "I got everything on it." Wow! Wow! Without you even asking him, huh? Woo! He was proud of that fact, yeah. huh? He was, he was proud of that. He got, I got it all. Man. Now, it could be that that settlement you talked about is what he talked about getting it all. But yeah. I thought he got all $40 million. But, yeah. you know, whatever. Mm. But, no, he's a great guy. Easy to talk to. Stops and talks to everybody to today. Yeah, he's a great dude. No That's doubt. awesome, Steve. Thank you. And, and here's the thing. We were talking about him. He played running back in a game, in a USFL game. Something happened. He wound oh, up. I think I remember watching that. He now. played Mickey, running back in a game for he the was USFL. That athletic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, in my first NFL start, since uh, people were posting it on Christmas Day, I got my first sack, calls fumble, on Steve Young, my rookie year. Yeah, that was exciting, man. And, and he chased me down, and tackled me. <laughs> Christmas, right? Christmas Day. <laughs> Yeah, my first NFL start. So. That's a pretty good one, right so that there. That shows how athletic he was. Uh, granted, I don't like. Yeah, I don't had like a five yard running. <laughs> I was almost running. Hey, the wrong he chased way. down the hit man. That takes crazy. Please, we were not in the open field. <laughs> uh, and, and oh, by the way, we could talk about Tannehill and everything else. He threw that pick to Hilton. Did you see him 
he was gaining on Hilton. Hilton wanted to submit because when they watched the film, they'd be like, dude, you're not faster than Tannehill. Because Tannehill was going to get in. He was gaining ground real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy. That guy's not as fast as Tannehill. But uh, he did jump high. He tackled him <laughs> with some. Pick. He tackled him with some malice uh, too. I wish uh, he just threw it out of bounds. Me too. Or into the dirt, or just run it, or get sacked and live to fight another play. Uh, Jill Jelnick joins us now. She lives to fight another day. She's been all with us before and agreed to come back. She's a very gracious person at Jill Jelnick Fox Seventeen that. Sports. As I noticed, Jill, in your bio, you are a one-person sports department at Fox Seventeen. <laughs> what? What, what, yes. what does that mean? Yes. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means I'm a Jill of all trades. Oh, yes. oh wow. Yes. This was practice. I thought you were <laughs> yes, going to say you were the Jill of all Jillnicks or something. But no. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let, let's yes. ask you this then. You are six, little over six months in, if I'm not mistaken, to your Nashville stay. What's been your favorite sports moment and non-sports moment so far in Nashville? Oh, man. Ooh, okay. Questions. Yes, we okay. asked the hard questions. Yeah. These these are the hard questions. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, let's start with the non-sports moment. I loved um, Thanksgiving week. I had my family come visit, and we just tore up and down Broadway. So how about how about that? I was a tourist in my own town, and I absolutely loved it sharing sharing that with my family. Um, but I oh gosh, favorite sports moment? You know, I I just I have really enjoyed. Ones. I, I've, I've really enjoyed covering um, the Titans this season, dis, despite the, the disappointing ending. But you know what, guys? I loved Friday night football, man. And I might be in the, the minority here because I know we got some great proteins. But I, I really enjoyed covering the state championships in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was up there for three days, and I was on a broadcast for um, the High School Football Network that was broadcasting the games throughout the state. And I, I think interviewing Coach Trent Dilfer, um, and having him get emotional after after mm. he led Litscombe Academy to that championship, um, and he just talked about his move. Why why all of a sudden he up and left Austin, and just out of nowhere moved to Nashville and and restarted a new chapter in his life, and it culminated with a championship the first weekend in December. That that's got to be my favorite sports moment so far in in my six months, with hopefully plenty plenty more fun sports moments to come. Mm. That, that's a good one. Um, yeah. uh, very good. See, I knew I knew you'd have a great answer for that. Um, let me ask you, you have a great answer for this because we're, what, five days away now from the Titans losing on Saturday to the Bengals with some time in the rearview mirror. Have you come to any concrete conclusions about this season? Is there anything changed for you maybe about how you felt Saturday that maybe some time has given you more perspective? That's a, that's a great question because um, – like many Titans fans on uh, Saturday and Sunday, I woke up Sunday and I was, I was still just upset, um, still fresh. And that, that was for the last several days um, because we put our heart and soul into covering this team. And I was with them the first day of training camp, right? Blood, sweat, and tears out there shooting the training camp. And so, you know, it was such an emotional um, loss and such a such a um, disappointment on a different number of levels. And so now that I have had a little bit of time to reflect, my biggest takeaway, guys, is that this team is, does not have to start over. Th- yes, this stings right now, but th- this window for this franchise is open. There isn't, there, this wasn't a, a Jerry Jones Cowboys say, oh, this is it, the year, everybody. No, 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 no. This, 
this, what Mike Vrabel is doing, and also John Robinson is doing with this franchise, is something special. They have found a formula the last several years that has worked, and the, the records show that. Um, their player performance is proof of that. Um, overall wins and losses, every, winning percentage, everything you want to look at shows that they are leading this team in the right direction. And, yes, it stings right now. It's a disappointment. They had the number one seed. But after some time and reflection, dude, I, I feel like we're just getting started. Jill Jelnick, our guest. Uh, easy to remember her Twitter. It's her name, at Jill Jelnick, Fox 17 <laughs> Sports. She's a Jill of all trades. Well, we <laughs> cannot, Jill, get away from Ryan Tanny. Yes, yes, I knew oh, it was of course. coming. Here we I go. It it's coming. just hard, and I'm a, I'm a Tanny backer I, the whole time, so I, I can't say that. And I'm not ready to move on, but do you think Ryan Tannehill or just this style of offense can get him to the Super Bowl and win it? Okay, I was curious what question you were going to Yeah, I was kind of weaving and curving on you there. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you could ask me a number of different questions, and I may have a different answer. But for that question, do I believe that Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill can lead this team, did you say, to a Super Bowl with this yes. offense? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And and here's why. I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in the fact that you – you have to look at stats. You have to look at history more than just feel, right? Mm-hmm. And there, if you look at what Tannehill has done with this team, let's just look at this year, right? 12-5, and five, guys. You, you don't have a 12-5 and five season, and you don't earn the number one seed if you don't have a strong quarterback. Yes, he took a step back this year. He regressed in terms of his overall touchdowns, overall performance. His interceptions doubled. And, yes, that is concerning. But if you look at his body as a whole in Tennessee, Tannehill has been a strong quarterback and has done enough to to help this team get to the next step. People have quickly forgotten this week that Tannehill was the one for the – in charge of – that led this team in the turnaround three years ago in 2019. Mm-hmm. He led them to the AFC championship when nobody, nobody was counting on the Titans. Nobody even knew that the Titans and Coach Vrabel, what they were doing in Nashville, right? All of a sudden helped lead them on that charge after taking over for Marcus Mariota, right? 2020 has a big year, a step up statistically, one of the best in his careers. And here this year, he helps lead a team to a 12-5 and record without their star running back for eight games. Essentially, half of the season, you don't have your star running back, your, your catalyst, your key to the offense, and he's still able to find a way. So, yes, I do, I do think Tannehill can be the Titans quarterback and can lead them to a Super Bowl. Now, he has to come back next year. You guys have talked about this all week long. The money says that they cannot get rid of him, right? It is too expensive. It is not worth it. We know he's coming back. But that doesn't mean that John Robinson and his staff and that front office staff isn't already starting to look at the future, right? Uh-huh. Coach Rabel had a great quote this week when asked about Tannehill, about his, his security, and, and are you looking at a backup at quarterback? Coach Rabel said, we're looking at a backup for everybody. Right, we're starting. This is a new season. Everybody needs a backup. Everybody needs better depth, including that quarterback position. So they're going to do their job. But John Robinson's going to, you know, ask the right questions, look at the right players in the upcoming draft. 
Um, but I do. I strongly think that quarterback Ryan Tannehill can lead this team to that next level. Well, since you just uh, talked a little bit about Vrabel, we're on with uh, Joe Jelnick with Fox 17 Sports. Uh, uh, what did you think about some of those decisions? Uh, let's go with this, <laughs> the extra point there, going for two. After getting the penalty on the one-yard line, kind of give us your perspective on what you would have been thinking if you were the head coach. I see it both ways. I, I see why people are, are questioning his decision to, to, to go for it. Why not just kick it? But I'll be honest, I kind of lean on Mike Vrabel's side. Mm-hmm. He, at that point, they were running the ball well. It was half the distance to the goal. They were one yard out, guys, right? One yard yeah. out. And what Vrabel is saying is saying, I'm, I'm trusting my team. I'm putting the ball in my team's hands. I believe that they can do that. I believe that, that this is a great opportunity for us to get that extra point. I, I, don't, I, I don't question that play as much as others, but I understand why um, he was under some scrutiny for that move. All right. Lastly, for me, real quick, is if you were the GM outside of, let's say, salary cap and understanding all the different positions, where is the need? Just from your eyeballs watching the team, what is missing? Tight end. It's got to be the tight end. I mean, can can you name me one big tight end, maybe two big tight end plays this season that, that really uh, either change the course of that game or help lift that tight, you know, the offense in a, in a great position to win. I just, that, uh, as many playmakers as the Titans have on offense, that was a position that had an opportunity to try to counterbalance, you know, AJ Brown and, and Julio jo- Jones that try to maybe be that, that stable target. And unfortunately, um, Anthony first, sir, I just, what, wasn't a huge year for him statistically. Um, I know Michael Pruitt got hurt, and that was a bummer because it seemed like he, he got hurt right as he was heating up. Um, and then also Jeff Swain has, has been average. Um, ever since the Titans lost Johnny Smith in free agency, it seems like there's always been a question at that position. I'd like to see them address it this offseason. Mm, we're on with uh, Jill Jenick uh, of Fox 17 uh, Sports. Jill, some great stuff, uh, thoughts from you on Ryan Tannehill. I think a lot of people thought they were going to wake up on Sunday or maybe Monday, and then the Titans are going to have a new offensive coordinator. That has not happened. They fired like other people, but nobody on offense and not the offensive coordinator. Were you surprised by that? No, not at all. And the, and the reason why I wasn't surprised by that was actually a move that the Titans made last year. Do you remember how surprised we all were? I wasn't even in Nashville yet, but I, I could tell, I knew of this moment when following the 2020, 20, the 2020 season with the Titans, right? Titans had one of the worst defenses um, mm-hmm. in, in several, several categories coming out, out of that 2020 season. What did Mike Rabel do? He, he held on to Shane Bowen. He, he had trust in him, right? He, he was not, he just, he changed a little bit of the approach with Shane Bowen. Um, and how they communicated things because Shane Bowen was not named the defensive coordinator. If you uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he was just overseeing a lot of different positions, but he wasn't given that uh, exact title. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so he held on to him, gave him that extra trust and faith. And look what Shane Bowen did with his defense this year. It like, a complete turnaround from a year ago. Now I, I get that I'm talking about the other side of the ball and you're asking me about the offensive coordinator, Todd Dowding. But what that move tells me is that Vrabel has a lot of faith in his staff. Um, and he has a lot of faith that they're going to make the necessary adjustments. 
um, again, I'm going to go back to the, uh, the same reasoning I said with Tannehill. You don't have a 12-5 and season if your offensive coordinator is blowing every play. You, you don't have a 12-5 and season if your offense um, it is not doing well. So I'm not surprised at all about the move um, of keeping offensive coordinator Todd Downing. Um, I anticipated he was going to hold on to him, but that's also because Vrabel defended him in his press conference on Monday as well. Um, saying that, you know, he, he'll evaluate every single coach, but thought that, that for the most part, Todd Downing did, did a good job this season. Some might look at the numbers and say, gosh, how could you afford to re-sign Harold Landry? I think other people would look and say, how could you afford not to re-sign Harold Landry? <laughs> how, are you yeah. gonna hand, how are you going to handle that situation? Yeah, and you know, uh, Mickey Blaine, that, I think that's going to be the number one question when it comes to um, re-signing and finding room in that cap. It's Harold Landry is the number one priority. But like you said, um, because he, he's about to be a free agent, he's going to be expensive, right? 12 sacks coming off the best uh, season of his career. That's a lot of money. Um, and, I, and I don't know if, if they're going to figure out a way to hold on to him. I, I would love for them to, to keep him right. Um, he also had what one and a half sacks in that and just last weekend. So he he was not only a guy that got better throughout the the season. He he finished so strong. Um, but the Titans did spend money on last year signing outside linebacker Bud Dupree, um, also Danico Audrey. Um, it's going to be tough to keep Harold Landry. I'm sure they're trying to find out ways to try to keep him, but he might be too expensive for the Titans this off season. Ooh, Jill Jelnick, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey, talking John Robinson's checkbook. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's, you know, yeah, it's always it's easy a, to manage other people's checkbooks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good problem to have, though, right, guys? Going into an off season where you're trying to figure out how can we keep all these great, talented players that are already on our team, as opposed to, oh gosh, now we got to go out and get this, got to go out and get this. So, yeah. I, I'd like to think it's a good problem to have, um, but. And the good news is coming off of last year, you know how the NFL had a decrease in the total salary cap for the teams, an 8% decrease because of the pandemic. Well, hopefully that, that's going up this year. There'll be a little more room. I don't know how much that will help, how that will help the Titans long-term, but um, it's a good problem to have. Well, with Jill Jelnick, uh, Fox 17 Sports, I, I guess this is a two-part question in regard yeah. to the running back and that's uh, the King and Foreman. Just tell me your thought process. You're the head coach going into the game, what you would have done, and then as the game progressed, what would you have done? Would anything have been any different with, uh, I guess, Henry starting? Yeah, you're talking specifically about this past weekend, right? The Bengals game. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's hard because all the hype was around Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. Um, And if he was was healthy enough to move the active roster, you know he's going to play, you know he's going to start, right? However, that game was made, was was made for for running back Deontay Foreman, right? Because even though Derrick Henry is the king and no one, no one will fill his shoes, Foreman is incredible shape right at the end of the season. He's been healthy. He's also a big back that with speed. And that was what the Titans needed against that, against the Bengals rush defense. Bengals rush defense. A lot of people overlooked this going into the weekend, but the Bengals had the fifth best best Mm -hmm. rushing defense 
in the league go by the end of the season, by the end of the regular season. And so they needed a back that was going to be able to not only break off with speed, but, but also handle that, 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 that grind. And yes, Derrick Henry on a normal uh, Derrick Henry game would have been the perfect one for that. But well, we all know going into the game, we weren't expecting the Derrick Henry we saw at the start of the season, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody, I think everybody, whoever thought that we were going to see that same Derrick Henry that, that was averaging 117 yards per game, they would have been mistaken. Um, I wish, I think my adjustment would have been give Foreman the ball earlier in the game, mix in Derrick Henry, and then really load up Derrick Henry towards the back end of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Give them a little bit to warm up because if you guys remember those first eight games of the season, what quarter was the best for Derrick Henry? It, it was always the third and fourth quarter, the end of the game. It was almost as if he needed those first two quarters to really warm up. I would have given the, given Foreman a lot more carries in the first half and then pounded Derrick Henry a little more in the second half. That would have been my adjustment. Mm. I guess real quickly – before we let you go, I got to ask you this. It's the overtime rule. You know, what a heck of a oh. game between the Bills and the Chiefs. Oh, and, and, and I'm cool with the rule, <laughs> but what do you think of the rule, or do you want it changed? I Jill? do. Yeah, it, I do. I'm sorry, I do. And <laughs> I, I just, I want a fair chance. I, I, my heart hurts for Josh Allen and that Bills team. I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a fan. I just, God, I would have loved to see them get another fair chance. I hate that the coin decided who was going to win. We knew whoever got that coin toss was going to score and win. I hate that. You took the, you took the ball out of the, the player's hands, and, and that, I don't think that's fair. I would just like them to revisit that rule. Mm. Well, Jill, I have to tell you this on our chat line. You know, I just have to tell you one of the comments about uh, this interview Uh-oh. is that they said, <laughs> I would fire Todd Dowling as the offensive coordinator, <laughs> and I would hire Jill Jelnick as the OOC of the Tennessee Titans. Based on this interview alone, it says. <laughs> oh, that's too funny, too funny. I appreciate that. CB Collins. Well, if so, if you get a phone call, we expect some brokerage on this uh, with yeah, the guy we, in the yeah, chat yeah, since we started this rumor. Fee. There, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. I always love coming on and. Even though it was a tough ending, you know, I'm, I'm already looking forward to next year. So there you go. Well, we got to do this again sooner, all right? We'll have our people contact your people. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, Jill Jelnick, Fox 17. Again, a one-person sports department. Uh, you can follow her at Jill Jelnick. Fox 17 Sports, uh, when we come back, phone lines open. If you want to jump in, 615-737-1045. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline is open. Also, the AFC South just stays a dumpster fire. We have Dumpster Fire AFC South News coming right up. Great. Boy to Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Getting you through your Thursday. Somebody, After somebody, I think it was a, a, dead, a dead animal around here. <laughs> <laughs> this song is animal. That's funny you would say that. Oh, yes, you know, yeah, it's, it's, no, it's, it's animal. You got that made in your forehead. No, I just. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. That so, was hilarious, man, because somebody might have been dead around here, because I think that's why Lucas had a little dead air. There, there's, there's a. 
there's a whole conversation to be had because you and Dr. Dyson, Kevin Dyson, we, we've had this we've had this discussion many times about what do you build your team for, and what are you trying to do? You know, you're trying to win all your divisional games. You're you're trying to build a team to win your division. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the things that you talked about, these are the things that we did on a successful Titans team. All from Fisher and, and yeah. the staff and how they approached it, Floyd Reese and, and crew, yeah. They had a special – this is – Well, it all started with the Steelers. Yeah. So we, to, to take the big boys down, you got to build your team to beat the big boys. And right. at that time, it was AFC Central early in my career. Yep. Then it transformed to AFC South. Uh, so that's how you build your team. Uh, now they're going to be the targeted team – to be honest, just because it's uh, you know what crap show uh, now in AFC South with the Colts losing their defensive coordinator to the Bears as the head coach. Uh, Wentz is probably questionable as if how good he'll be or if he'll be the guy next year again. I'm hoping he is. And then uh, with the Texan situation, not knowing anything about what Watson or is going to ever play there again or anywhere maybe. So yeah, so they should be the favorite, and you know, so is that. You're going to win the AFC South in my mind, coming back with somewhat of the same crew, even if you have 30% change. Sure. So then you say, how do we take down the big boys? And the big boys are, let's go with, since they beat us, the Bengals. Yeah. I think you kind of got your team where they need to be, that they can beat the Bengals nine out of ten times, as long as we don't throw interceptions. Yeah. Uh, so then the big boys to me are, are Josh Allen and, and Mahomes in the yeah. AFC. And then you may want to add Herbert in there just to, just to keep it honest because he's a young up-and-coming. He's developed really fast over the first two seasons of his career. Uh, so you want to see where they go. Uh, and, uh, you know, you never know with the Raiders. But you, you the big boys, are, it's got to be you got to target the Chiefs in the AFC. So how and, and what Blaine mentioned, and we mentioned the dumpster fire pass rushers, and you got to be able to put up at least twenty four points in my mind to beat the Chiefs in the postseason. In the post, in yeah. the postseason, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So what we were talking about on the other side, and, and Blaine mentioned this, Matt Eberflus, the Colts defense coordinator, is now the head coach of the Chicago Bears, and in the big news out of Jacksonville this morning, they're trying to hire Byron Leftwich, but they keep trying to pair him with Trent Baalke, and supposedly he doesn't want. To work with him, doesn't want to be with him. So he wants uh, Adrian Wilson. These are the stories coming out of the NFL, and these stories come from agents to all these national reporter guys. Oh, Adrian Wilson used to play safety? Yes. Well, the, uh, he's on the, uh, the the Arizona Cardinals uh, scouting department, right? Yep, that, that's who Great Byron Leftwich wants. So now that's they, not going to happen, and that's why he interviewed with the Saints. The Saints are trying to get him now. So now so he's they get his way, or I'm not. They drug their heels so much. He Now the Saints are like, okay, well, we'll interview you. Because they just had opening, what, yesterday? Sean Payton? Yeah, we'll talk to dang Byron Leftwich. Got a 44-year-old quarterback throwing for 5,000 yards. Did he ever work with uh, Sean Payton? I want to say, I I don't, you know, I never really know the system, but I want to say he was on the sideline with him at some point. Byron Leftwich? Yeah. I didn't look that up. I know Payton's not there now, but I I thought he was on the Saints sidelines one year. I I might have got confused, but I'm trying to recall, because I remember when he got into coaching, because he was a quarterback's coach at first. Yep. And I can't even recall where that was initially. Uh, but, uh, hey, you know, he deserves an opportunity just as much as anybody else. Uh, it's just interesting that Eric Bieniemy that they're still playing, and he still is not on really anybody's list of interviews. Not even coming up. Mm-mm. So that, that ship has sailed, whatever it is. And maybe it's because they, you know, maybe some of his uh, history in the past uh, off the uh, coaching 
field. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of it just kind of, you know, you got five little things. And I don't care if it's a speeding ticket. Some people just don't like it. It's just enough to just say, eh, nah. Was he ever on the Saints? No, he was, he was quarterback's coach with the Cardinals. So that ties him to Adrian Wilson. Uh, um, and then he's been with the Bucks 2019, 2020, 2021. So three years as the OC. He's only been a, a coach in the NFL uh, since 2017. Right. So meteoric rise well, uh, for a... Well, in my mind, that's no different than where everybody else is going. They're going with the younger guys. I yep. think that's why Dean Pease went on his little rant there uh, where he owned his Oats and was up there marking the fields and high school coach then moving up to quality control. And then, you know, and then now he said all these young guys are like, hey, man, how can I be the OC and, and head coach? <laughs> yeah. Literally at, at 28, they're, you know, they've already arrived and they're mostly doing it via numbers and not... Uh, based off of actual football feel and understanding players and communication with players, which is, I think, is a a little bit of both now. Yeah. I think you have to kind of shift yourself a little bit. And I get what he was saying. I, I agree pretty much mostly is that uh, the younger, you know, it's a new wave and younger people get opportunities to be head coaches as well as GMs at the same time. So uh, left, which fits right in that bill with all these young up and coming coaches, and the Jags offensive co- minds, yeah, and and here are the Jags apparently the other guy in the mix is Vic Fangio, that that that's and Trent Baalke. That's who they could wind up with if left switch goes, nah, sorry, no way. Not this dumpster boatload of manure floating down the river on fire. I, I just think he's a, a really good DC and he's not a head coach. Yeah. It's just yeah. you know, I just that's just Kind of how I view him. I could be totally wrong, but not to say they didn't deserve his opportunity again. You got to fall sometimes, and then get your second go around. Sometimes coaches do better the next go around. He's 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 been in the league for a long time, uh, but at the same time, uh, since we talked about Dean Pease, he's never got an opportunity as a head coach. Uh, the Titans head coach is a head coach, Mike Vrabel, and he had a huge honor that just got announced a few minutes ago. What is it? We'll tell you coming up next. Big honor for Vrabes on Blaine and Mickey. Yeah.